0: Bonjour à tous, nous accueillons maintenant Oscar Orta Ok, well, thanks a lot, thanks for, for your time and for your interest in this talk and thanks, thanks also for your activism because if you are here, that means that you are activists and you are concerned with this Will there be translators? Sorry, I'll just speak.: Now we translate directly Ah, ok Oh, cool. Please, just, uh, uh, and, uh, okay. <laughs> cool. I will try to. Slowly. Okay, well, thanks. Um, so, uh, this is about the strategies we can follow uh, to help non-human animals. And uh, this is uh, an extremely important topic that is uh, seldom addressed, and um, the consequences of of what we decide here are extremely relevant because they can mean then, uh, that a lot of suffering and a lot of harm for animals can be saved or instead can take place. So I start with this. We have uh, here a challenge, which is we have this aim. Eh? We want to help animals most. We want to give them the, the, the biggest help we can, but we have limited resources for that. So uh, to see this, we have uh, this concept here. How, regarding how we can meet this challenge. And we have there the idea of efficiency, right? Effectiveness is how we uh, manage to attain our aims. But uh, this is not only about effectiveness. It's about uh, doing what's effective, but in the best way possible. That is, uh, by achieving the best ratio between uh, the results and the means we have, right? So this is going to be all about that, right? And because no one can say, well, you know, I'm doing this and this is effective, or I think we could do that, and that could be effective. Well, that's fine. But maybe it's not the best efficient way to do it, right? And, you know, calls like ours not being efficient uh, has a cost, and it's not us who pay the cost, but rather it's animals. And we, somehow, uh, indirectly, too, but uh, it's them we are more concerned with. So, um, in order to see uh, the problem we are dealing with, uh, the first concept i like to introduce here is this of cognitive biases, right? So you have there the explanation of what this uh, concept is about. Uh, cognitive biases are patterns of thinking, Right? that uh, lead us to uh, behave in an illogical, irrational way. And we have lots of them. Psychologists uh, have uh, studied this uh, very much. Uh, by the way, is this lo- slow enough or am I still... Okay. So um, the way in which these uh, cognitive biases uh, impede that we achieve our aims uh, is double. The first one is that they alter, they distort our perception of reality, Right? So this drives us to uh, not be efficient, right? And the second one is that they uh, drive us also to have a wrong evaluation of that which is actually valuable, right? So I'm going to put some examples here of the biases we have, and I haven't chose them uh, just because I find them uh, um, um, particularly interesting, but also because what I see is that uh, these biases are very much into action nowadays, right? And they uh, alter significantly the way we make decisions. So uh, the first one has to do with uh, our ends. That is, the aim we achieve at, right? We, we aim to achieve. Um, so I say here that um, some biases lead us to pursue wrong ends. And I'm saying wrong, which is a very strong word, right? Uh, and why I say they are wrong? Well, uh, this can happen in two ways. First, first they can be suboptimal, right? Suboptimal means that they can be pretty good ends. Uh, uh, you know? We attain them and that is good, we help animals a lot, but they are suboptimal because we could have done more, right? So, for instance, I may stop, uh, I don't know, uh, a thousand animals from suffering, but maybe I could have stopped uh, a thousand and one animals from suffering, or maybe a million animals from suffering, right? And then uh, sometimes we have irrational ends, Right? So uh, uh, we we end at something we aim at something that is not really uh, uh, the proper aim we should have if we acted if we behaved uh, uh, rationally and if we thought uh, deeply about the issues. So um, there are several biases. So here's one: um, bias are solving the problems we see and not those problems we don't see, even if we know about them, right? So um, This bias is the one that leads us, for instance, to invest lots of resources in helping, say, some animals that we uh, happen to come across that maybe need our help, but not helping others that may need our help much, much, much more, and that they are hidden or that they are in other countries or that they are in in places in which we just don't, uh, we fail to imagine how their plight is, right? So, well, unfortunately, the slide, uh, well, you can't see it very well, but uh, that's uh, meant to be an eye that is just looking there and we fail to see what's uh, behind. Anyway, so there is another bias, which is also very, very important. I don't, I don't want to say that it's maybe the most important of them, but it's definitely one of the most important. And it's this one. The failure to appreciate and contrast high magnitudes of harm, right? This happens, for instance, like in, um, in the news. When they say the news and say, well, in an earthquake, uh, 100 uh, people, they always mean human beings, even if other animals die in earthquakes as well, but they say, 100 people have died. Oh, that's terrible. And then they say, no, 1,000 a a thousand people have died. Oh, that's terrible. Their reaction is just the same. But this shouldn't be definitely so. And in the case of animals, well, this happens just in the same way, right? So, well, again, the these lights uh, can't be seen very well. I'm sorry about that. But, well, that's a a fishing net, right? In which we have this hell of a lot of animals. They're suffering and and dying, right? And... um, And this is interesting because, for instance, when, when we talk about, even when we talk about veganism and not harming animals, and they say, well, the animals killed in slaughterhouses, right? Are so many, like, it's around 60 billion today. But well, it's been estimated that more than maybe uh, 3 trillion animals, uh, aquatic animals are, are, are killed by humans every year, right? So, um, we fail to appreciate this. And of course, this is even more uh, uh, clearly if we consider the fact that the number of uh, animals that are killed in vivisection is estimated to be, uh, every year, about uh, over 100 million. The number of animals killed for four is about 50 uh, million a year, right? The number of animals that 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 suffering, say, um, circuses or bullfights and everything, that's... uh, Some thousands, sometimes some tens uh, thousands, you know. So there's clearly an asymmetry here, clearly. So even if we achieve just a tiny change regarding the 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 suffering that these animals are are undergoing, that would be hugely, vastly more important than, for instance, abolishing uh, other form of or other forms of of uh, human, of animals' exploitation by humans. And then I have this other picture, and this you can't see it. And it's a pity, because this picture will appear uh, uh, again. Uh, you probably don't, don't see anything there. It looks like, I don't know, uh, like rings or something, but they are the eyes of uh, newly born or newly uh, came into existence uh, animals in nature. So there are a bunch of... Uh, Fries, they are called uh, small fishes, and I will explain later why the, why this is important. But for now, I just want you to see this picture or to not see this picture, uh, because it's important to this problem we are tackling about magnitudes of, of appreciating magnitudes. So that's the second bias, and then the third bias is that we have a bias towards stopping negative actions against animals uh, over uh, doing positive actions to help them, right? And this is very. This is a bias that is very common, and not only in our field, but in in others too. And this is a a very significant one because an animal can be suffering for, from from uh, a harm that we are not causing, but rescuing that animal or helping that, that animal uh, may be just as important as not harming the animal. Uh, not only that, I mean, um, there is actually no reason. Uh, it's uh, quite irrational to have this focus on not uh, doing something negative. For them, because the reason for 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 that action should be ending the harm. So it's the harm that is important, not the action that we carry out. Okay. So, uh, for instance, we have here. Well, uh, again, you don't see it, but it's a baby. uh, Who suppose that it's a baby that is drowning in 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 water. Should we help uh, the baby or not help the baby? Well, of course it seems that we should help the baby even if we are not the ones who are drowning the baby, right? Uh, I don't know if Adriano later is going to speak about this because I uh, heard him or seen him I've I've seen him uh, speaking about this in his interesting talk. so I'm looking forward to to see what he says. But for now, we are moving on and then we have uh, again other uh, other biases that lead us to dismiss the interests of some animals. So for instance... We prefer, we value more cute animals over non-cute animals, right? So you are all familiar with this picture. But apart from that, we also value more the interest of big animals, we have there a a, a colf, over small animals. So there's this rat there. I chose a picture of a rat that was not a very, very cute rat, but you don't see it, or you don't see her. And then, well, that's another animal that you failed to see. Sorry about that. <laughs> and here we have against these very, very tiny, tiny animals, right? So um, intuitively, most people will think that it's more important to save the life of, save, uh, say, um, five elephants than the life of, say, uh, 5,000, uh, I don't know, uh, sentient invertebrates. But this is clearly implausible. Okay. And then uh, this is also another very, very important bias, And, uh, uh, well, this bias is about um, having preference for the animals that live today instead of those who will live uh, later. And uh, unlike what it may seem, this bias is far more important than the other one. Because this bias affects a huge number of animals, much more than the other one. Because the animals that will exist in the future are uh, impossible to calculate, right? So the the vast amount of animals that are involved here uh, makes this bias one of the most crucial ones. So this is important, in particularly particularly due to this. So here you have uh, this light cone uh, um, shape, and it represents how ideas, attitudes, and practices spread through time, right? So if we start to spread veganism here, right? At some time, it may be 1944, or it may be the 19th century, where Lewis Gomper before Donald Watson, started to talk about not using animals. Then the idea starts to spread. So at time's go, the idea spreads more and more, right? So the thing is, suppose we can decide whether to do an action, to carry out an action that will help a lot of animals now, right? Such as, say... Uh, prohibiting, banning a certain um, way in which animals are used, right? Or, instead, we uh, have a much more ambitious aim, but which seems clearly unattainable today, right? There are lots, lots of people who go for the first, because they say, the other thing is unrealistic, unrealistic. We can't attain it, so we should go to what we should attain. And that's how, how things have been for, 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 for many years. So, for instance, when the first animal protection groups started in the early 90s, they were concerned about the conditions in which horses were kept, horses for transport, right, uh, in the city. So they could have certainly done some advantage, uh, um, um, <coughs> advances of, on this, but, you know, now the work on that is not so relevant After all, I mean, we don't even use those horses any longer. But guess what? Suppose they started to spread anti-speciesism and veganism. I mean, 200 years ago, would we be in the position in which we are now? Of course not. We would be far ahead than we are now. So this is easy to see when we consider the past, but we have to see it when we consider the future, right? we fail to appreciate the importance that these have, the importance of, of, of the future. Because in the future, uh, even if we now talk about the billions or trillions of animals, the magnitudes that could uh, then uh, be used to name the animals that are involved may be vast, vastly, vastly more than, than these ones. So it's definitely important that when we consider what to do, we don't think of how animals are now. It's far, far more important to think how they may be in the future. So that's why the unrealistic uh, fight, unrealistic struggle claim should be completely left aside. Okay. And then finally, this is a very important issue too, that we have somehow a bias towards domesticated animals over wild animals, right? So we are concerned with domesticated animals and many people think that just, well, you know, uh, the aim of our movement should be that all, all animals should be just uh, in the wild as wild animals are, right? But um, because they are believed to, gra- to live great lives, right? And this is asymmetric with regards to the attitudes we have towards humans, right? Because respecting humans is not only about not killing them, about not exploiting them, it's also about uh, the positive rights they have, the right to be helped, and all that. So we'll tackle this uh, later. For now, I just want to mention that idea. Okay, so then, so then uh, we have other cognitive biases that are important to take into account here, which are those that lead us to choose the wrong plan, right? A plan that, that doesn't work optimally, right? It's not only that the plan doesn't work. I mean, the plan actually may work, and actually may be effective, but it's going to be maybe less efficient than other plans that we could uh, use. So what biases we have here? Well, the first one is wishful thinking. and So um, we think that things are the way uh, we we like them to be, right? And confusing the actions we find attractive with um, how effective they are, right? So for instance, when we want to talk about uh, our struggle, this is uh, a common symbol that is used. Yeah, let's go for it. Because it's an attractive one, one that people can be... And identified with, right? So it's an attractive one. We 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 like it. So we confront oppression. We do this, right? So I appreciate definitely the feeling that is there, right? But of course, who is going to fight with 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 uh, hero his fists against oppression? You don't fight with your fist against oppression. And if you do, you are following a suboptimal strategy, uh, which is uh, 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 somehow well, you know. <laughs> A way of saying that you are kind of nuts. No, no, no. This is the tool we should use. But it's interesting that this is, this is not used as a, as a symbol of, of our struggle. That's kind of weird because that's what you fight with, right? So then we have wishful thinking and we have uh, another bias that is conservatism bias. And this is another important one, which is we have certain beliefs Certain assumptions of what of what to do. Why? Because we have been uh, educated in our movement, right? But then we are faced with new evidences, hmm? and we fail to reappraise our previous beliefs, and uh, so we fail to consider new hypotheses, especially when they are like a, a very very new, brand new uh, hypothesis... which present us with a completely uh, present to us a completely new scenario we fail to appraise uh, those uh, new hypotheses uh, correctly, right? Uh, And this is, uh, well, this is obviously a a problem because uh, it's almost sure that we are not right, right? So, and I'm saying this, and this may be a paradox, but um, I'm sure that I may be speaking here for two hours or four hours or whatever, and it's impossible that uh, everything I say is right. I'm sure I will make mistakes, but I'm sure you are making mistakes too. It's not that all we say is mistaken, right? But there may be mistakes in what we think. So we have to rethink everything, all the time, and be open to new uh, 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 possibilities all the time. And then uh, the generalization bias, right, which is related to the other ones. We have certain experiences and we generalize it. And we think, well, this is representative of what happens everywhere. And this is just no so, and I, I'm going to rush because I think that I'm I may not have time to uh, how much ma- how much time I have for this. Okay, then. Well, then I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna be I, I, I'm not gonna take my time anyway because even if you don't care, I care that Adriano and uh, also um, other people like David uh, are talking later. So let's be some let's be a bit. Altruistic with them. So then we have the ambiguity effect, um, and this is interesting. Uh, so there may be good options, right, that are available to us, but uh, we fail to appraise properly their probability, right? So we don't know how probable a scenario may be, right? So because of that, we think, well, that's not really a scenario we have to consider. But why? That needn't be so. Suppose, for instance, that someone say, well, you know, animals are suffering from disease in nature, and that's a bad thing. Maybe we could help them overcome these diseases. Oh, but that's that's not impossible, that's, ver- that's not possible, that's uh, very unlikely. What's the probability of that being successful? No, no, so we skip completely out the, the idea. Well, there's no reason to do so, especially if the effect that strategy could have would be uh, uh, significant. So again it's all about this right it's all about the, the fist here representing what what we like what we uh, have been um, identified with and the brain which leads us to say okay i'm probably mistaken so i'm going to rethink again everything right so um once we are um we have the idea of overcoming our biases and of uh, thinking rationally about uh, how to uh, struggle for what we end what we aim to, uh, we may uh, reach the idea that what we have to do is follow strategic thinking. Hmm? So when we think about what should our ends uh, be, we are doing ethics, right? When we consider, okay, I have to care for sentient beings, I have to uh, reduce the suffering that is in the world, that's our ends. And uh, when we think about the ways in which we achieve our, uh, our ends, uh, that's something different. And... Uh, That practical uh, part of it is what strategic thinking is about. Strategic thinking is about uh, making decisions that concern the way in which we can attain our our aims. Regarding that, we have to um, introduce these concepts. Strategies and tactics. So, strategies are about the plan we have to achieve our aims, and tactics are about the... Particular plans we have to achieve each of the steps this strategy has. So it's like a stairs, right? Well, you can see it here, but this would be some stairs, right? So I want to reach that place there. I want to get there. So how, how can I do it? So the stair is the strategy, right? The stairs are the strategy. And each of the steps there, right? That's what the tactic is about. And, of course, apart from that, we may have different techniques or may, we may have different courses of action to, in, to implement that tactic, right? But the plan is about that, right? So, um, once we have seen this, we can consider what are the, the, um, the different strategies that currently in the, in the anti-speciesist movement, although some people don't want to call it anti-speciesist movement, they may call it the animal rights movement or some people call about uh, call it the veganism movement or the vegan movement i prefer to call it anti species movement because uh, what is bad is the fact that we are discriminating against uh, non human animals and uh, discrimination is a comparative concept right right so for instance suppose that i um, that i like to help people so i help uh, european people and i also help say african people but I help African people less because they are African. That's discrimination, that's bad. We don't want that, right? So it's not just about veganism. It's about something else, right? So, uh, as I said, there are uh, three main uh, approaches that there is uh, that there are uh, for, for uh, helping animals uh, today. And the first one is these uh, legal changes. Many people think, well, what we have to do is achieve to achieve legal changes in the way they are. So, they may be of two kinds. First, uh, legislation, legislation, uh, certain uses, certain practices involved in the use of animals. And the second is trying to achieve a recognition of legal rights to them. Because humans are protected with legal rights, right? So, um, it seems uh, that it's discriminatory not to have other animals protected as well. So, uh, when it comes to the first group, there are uh, two different strategies that can be followed there. One is... Uh, the uh, the one that i've called regulationism that is about regulating reforming the ways in which animals are used but without uh, ending them all together right so for instance uh, happy meat it's all about this or incremental prohibitions so we're going to prohibit now i don't know wolf fights then we're going to prohibit i don't know uh, circles with animals and so on right and then we have the second group and there we can have a campaign that aims at uh, achieving full legal rights for only some non-human animals, for instance, I don't know, great apes or cetacean. And then we can uh, do the same, but uh, focusing on all animals, not only these particular groups of animals, right? Okay. So um, there are some objections that can be presented against this, right? Because it may be it may be um, claimed that we can never succeed in, the, in this as long as uh, we live in speciesist societies. So as long as that uh, speciesist attitude that most people have and is prevalent and is institutionalized in our society, it's unlikely that we're going to achieve um, significant uh, legal changes. We'll just achieve minor legal changes. But we should remember that cone, that light cone uh, shape that we saw here, right? Right? In the long run, in the long term, is this going to be the most effective uh, approach? We don't know that. I mean, there are reasons to doubt it. And then there is this second approach, and the second approach doesn't focus on on law. It focuses instead on the production of animal products and service, right? That is, on, on their actual exploitation. Hmm? So, um, there are several different uh, um, courses of action that can be followed to achieve this. So, for instance, uh, we may go on saving animals directly from their exploitation. We may make difficult the use of, of animals. I don't know, for instance, we could uh, uh, make some harm, some damage in some animal factory, say. We can make campaigns to close down the business in which animals are exploited. Or, well, some people claim that what we should do is try to change the whole system production, make a social revolution and then uh, uh, abolish uh, animal exploitation, right? And well, regarding these uh, strategies, uh, the same ideas that I mentioned before maybe be considered here, right? The fact that, uh, well, we have to look at uh, whether these strategies would be optimal concerning all the animals involved in the future too. Uh, some people have argued also that some of them maybe counterproductive if if uh, people don't understand why we are doing these uh, actions and they may not want to listen to us. But, well, I'm not going to tackle the, those particular objections. I'm more concerned with the general uh, framework of the, of the discussion. And then uh, the third one, the third strategy, has to do with changing the public's attitudes regarding the discrimination and the exploitation of non-human animals. That is, making a, a, a huge change uh, in the, in the way in which uh, our society uh, sees animals or non-human animals. So there are two approaches here. We may focus on affecting the demand of animal products, right? So we don't want people to buy animal products hmm? or services. And the second one is uh, not to be focused on that, but rather to be focused on um, uh, the attitudes themselves, rather uh, that is speciesism itself, right? So. If we consider the first uh, group, uh, there are different uh, causes of action that we could follow. So, first one is we could try to communicate the public the idea that they should stop using animal products and service for reasons that do not have to do with animal interests, such as health and all this kind of stuff, if we are considering what we eat or, I don't know, um, uh, cultivating a virtuous uh, moral character if it comes to I don't know shows or whatever in which animals are exploited, and so on. And then uh, there are other these two other strategies that focus on on animals themselves. The first one would be to de- to reduce the demand for animal products and services and services by making vegan products very available to everyone, so people will easily buy these products, right? Or we could say uh, that uh, um, because we should be concerned with animals we shouldn't um, buy animal products and services, right? And we can do this even if we, uh, you know, um, don't challenge the current view of non-human animals. We can just say, well, you know, it's cruel how animals are used. I mean, this goes clearly against the welfare, so this shouldn't be done. So you don't need to speak at all about the moral status of animals or about speciesism there. Just say, well, you know, this is cruel, and it's unnecessary, so we can deal without it, right? Okay, and then we have the last approach, uh, which is basically changing the consideration non-human animals have, right? So there are two ways uh, to do that. Uh, The first one is educating the public. I mean, and by educating, I don't mean uh, doing talks or going to schools, but I mean doing things that educate the public, like, uh, I don't know, Demos or performances uh, that uh, have impact in the media or stuff like that uh, may be equally good to educate the public, right? The issue here is that we aim at is uh, changing the view uh, of animals that is prevalent in society. So again, we can do this without questioning speciesism. We can simply say, well, you know, we should uh, consider animals uh, uh, more than we do now. So of course, if we do this, uh, that entails that we shouldn't be using them, and that it will entail also something else that we may need to help them and all that and all that, without even questioning speciesism. But we can do the same by introducing this concept, this idea of speciesism, right? So, uh, what can we say about all this? Well, um, to see this, first we can consider uh, what are what are the the cause the cause effect relations between uh, the different orders of the animal or non-human animal discrimination and exploitation system. So we have that because uh, we have speciesist attitudes. Uh, we demand animal products. This is not that I think I'm a speciesist, so okay, I'm a speciesist, so I can not use animals, so I use animals. No, no. The very fact that I eat an animal and not a human, that is a speciesist, right? So... This definition of speciesism is—it doesn't mean that uh, first we have like a mental sphere and then the way we act. No, when we act in a speciesist way, we are thinking speciesistly. We have a speciesist mind frame. Okay, Uh, so mm, we demand animal products, and because we demand animal products, animal products are produced. And as a result of that, animals are harmed. And apart from that, speciesist law is accepted, right? So the legal system depends on socioeconomics. So because we have a system that exploits animals, we have species' law. And species' law uh, makes it the case that animals are not protected. Uh, Unlike what happens in the case of humans. Because I can, if I want and I have the money, I can uh, uh, set up, establish a, a business which consists in growing animals and kill them. This is perfectly legal. I can do it. But of course I can't do this. To humans, right? So, if we consider this, we may have reasons to support the idea that our focus should be uh, at the highest level, that is, upstairs, right? Then we can consider also the fact that, uh, in light with, in line with what we saw before, speciesism, in addition to our biases, um, means that we don't care for animals and means that we don't help animals when they need it right which is also important so animals suffer animal suffer sorry suffer from harms that we could avoid right so all this seems to suggest the idea that questioning questioning speciesism uh, may be uh, probably the the optimal uh, uh, strategy to follow but as i said i mean we are all mistaken I may be mistaken. So maybe this is not so. But the reasons we have drive us to think this, right? I'm not defending this because I like the word speciesism. Or because I like to, I don't know, um, put uh, city stalls in which I hand out leaflets to people and speak about speciesism rather than other things. There are other things that are far more enjoyable, right? And the, the things that we identify with other um, courses of action, I definitely think are far more enjoyable. Absolutely. But it seems that we have some reason to do this, right? Okay. And then in addition, we have to consider again this uh, cone. I mean, this is so important. I mean, if, if I had to choose a single uh, uh, slide in the presentation, you're thinking now that I'm saying, I, I would choose this one. Well, I don't know if I would choose this one, but this would be a fair candidate. Uh, because of the reasons we saw before. Suppose we are in 19... Oh, sorry, in 1813, right? And we, have, we can decide whether to question speciesism, whether to fight for uh, the abolition of uh, horse carps, or whether to fight uh, so horses will be provided uh, more resting hours, right? We are now in 2013. We can now assess which of these outcomes may have a highest net impact. And it's absolutely clear that questioning speciesism has, right? So as I said before, we have to look to the future. So it seems that the lessons we can learn from the past have to be applied, have to be applied immediately, actually. Okay. So, um, having said this, I want to make it clear that there may be things that we would do to carry out other strategies that are good for this strategy of questioning speciesism as well. So we we need to consider here, as I said before, the difference between strategies and tactics. So remember the 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 stairs, right? It may perfectly be the case that um, I follow a certain strat- a certain strategy that is a wrong strategy, but my tactics work pretty nicely to achieve the aims that I have when I follow that strategy. So the problem is not with the tactics, it's with the strategy. Or it may be the other way around. I may have a good strategy, but the tactics I follow are very poor, right? Or again, it may be that certain tactics can be used to different strategies. And for instance, we wouldn't follow them to, um, if we were focused just in one strategy because maybe that strategy is not a good one but can be used for, for the good of, of, an, of a different strategy. So uh, we need to consider all that uh, but even if we accept a certain course of action we have to know very very well why, why we are following and what is the aim we want to follow with that. Because <clears throat> um, even if the tactic is the same depending on what the strategy is the message we may convey with it may be completely different, right? So, for instance, you don't see that, but that's a, um, someone guess what that is? No. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a, it's a rescue, an open rescue of, of an animal. And um, so, um, that rescue could be done just for the sake of the animal, uh, herself, right? And this is often defended, right? And of course I appreciate the spirit with which this is done and uh, and I fully see the people who are doing this as my uh, um, how do you say this in in, in French? The companions and a lot. Oui. <laughs> uh, mm, however and there are different ways in which this can be done. This can be done for the sake of the animal uh, herself, so no light cone there at all. Or we can do it, for instance, with the media. So we, we go with the national, some national TV channel, we show them a farm, and we say, okay, we're going to make this uh, symbolic rescue of these animals because, see, they want to live, and they don't want to suffer, and here, look how they are. Uh, so would we accept this to be inflicted upon us? Certainly not. And by doing this, what are we doing? We are probably questioning speciesism, Right. Of course, it all depends on what we say. We may say, "Well, we're doing this because we believe the conditions in which these animals are are awful." Right? That's uh, implying that if they were in a better conditions, that would be fine. But we may do this and use the actual term speciesism. I mean, we've done this kind of stuff in, in Spain, and we've we've been saying this in uh, in, in national TV channels. Well, this is a, an instance of speciesism, which is discrimination against animals for this reason and this reason, right? So this, uh, uh, this just intends to show that um, we have to analyze what tactics we are following, and we may um, give them a new meaning in the appropriate uh, uh, context and with the appropriate message, right? Uh, and again... Uh, uh, then, and I'm now uh, finishing my presentation. There are some slides, but this is like the last part of it. Uh, we should remember that that this is not about what we want, but about uh, what is more efficient. And again, this idea. I'm sorry, I'm I'm repeating it again. And uh, you may say, well, this is boring. I mean, why is he doing this? <laughs> well, because you know, it's uh, those who talk about education. Education say that if you repeat the message, you repeat the slide, you get more. You get more, highest result, right? So that's why, I mean, in relation to this, that's why you should be all the time repeating, speciesism is arbitrary, speciesism is like racism and sexism, and all human animals can feel suffering and uh, pleasure just like us, so we should take them into account and all that, right? So, so this is the way of, you know, making people learn about that. So, this is like when, when for instance, you have a, you have an interview and the journalist is, It's asking all the time different questions. You don't reply the questions they want to. They want you to reply. You reply them what you want to say. So no matter what they. No, this is true. I mean, this is very important. I mean, people go to interviews sometimes with the wrong assumption that the point of an interview is replying to what they are asking you. It's not. It's about saying what you have to say, and there has to be like three ideas, very clear ideas, and you have to repeat them all the time. So what is this about? Well, this is about this performance that we've done, this action we've done, because we believe that animals shouldn't be exploited because speciesism, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Are there many people in your movement now? Well, yeah, more and more people are starting to realize that speciesism (laughs) should be left. This is what we have to do all the time, right? So, um, so well, um, again, I mean, you're not going to read it all again. But I'm just putting it just to stress the importance of bearing these biases into account. And I actually, well, um, I, I'm... Okay, well. I have this uh, um, um, this handout, but hell, that's the wrong one. Jerome, I gave <laughs> you the wrong one to print. It's all my fault. That's okay, you can put it on the... That's my fault. But I, I, I have a, like a summary of this. So if anyone wants it, sorry, it's my fault. Shame on me. Okay. I've been inefficient and ineffective. Okay. I'm mistaken. This is, this, this is, this proves my case that we are all mistaken. Okay. But anyway, at the end of it, I'm going to put my Facebook contact and all that. So if, if any of you wants this, I can, I can send it to you, the, the summary of it. But anyway, uh, I just want, you to have this in mind, to rethink this and to be aware of, of those biases and to wonder whether at some point we are actually victims of, of those biases without, of course, uh, noticing, right? The biases that lead us to dismiss the interests of some animals, the biases that lead us to have the wrong ends, the biases that lead us to have the wrong plan, Okay. So, um, having said this, uh, I just want to, to end with, uh, with a point regarding this that is very important. And I, uh, Previously, I, I presented the case of, of um, these uh, biases that lead us not to consider appropriately the magnitude of harm that may be out there, or those biases that lead us not to consider appropriately uh, the interest of, of uh, animals living in the wild instead of domestic ones, or not to consider um, um, those situations in which we can not just stop causing harm, but uh, helping animals not to go on suffering harm. And uh, a clear uh, uh, example of this is the fact that while vegans tend to focus on animals such as uh, she or he, who definitely need help, they tend not to focus on on the interests of, of other animals. And, um, well... I said before that these were like uh, tiny fishes, right? And, um, well, the, the appropriate way of saying this in English would be tiny fish, you know, because fish is, is uncomfortable. But uh, we are against that because fishes are individuals, so we say fishes, which is maybe grammatically wrong, but uh, is uh, good for animals, so we do it. We ponder grammar, animals, animals win. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um there we have a, a bunch of animals right and this is interesting because many 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 uh, animal activists are n- not aware of this uh, of the fact that uh, there is uh, much suffering in nature that um is analogous to the suffering that many humans suffer and when it is humans that are suffering uh, we we aim at helping them whereas when it is uh, animals we just left them to their own devices. So, uh, for instance, um, these are uh, fishes that have just come into existence, and most of them will die soon. This is how uh, things uh, happen often in nature, and we are going to see why this is so. But first of all, I want you to to see this picture. But again, you don't see the the picture. Well, this is a, a um, this is a koala in a in a fire. You probably, some of you at least may have seen this picture. Um, and maybe maybe you can see it, some of you here. Can you see it? Yeah. The guy looks a bit like Eve. <laughs> yeah, he looks a bit like you, Eve. So, you know, it's this koala in, in uh, well, it's a koala in a fire that uh, has survived, and they're giving him or her. A bit of water, right? So this is an unusual picture, isn't it? Uh, but it wouldn't be unusual if if, if, the, if instead of a koala we were speaking about a human, right? But most people think that, well, I mean, we shouldn't be concerned with animals uh, in nature. I mean, even animal activists tend to think this. But how come? I mean, we can help uh, that animal who is in, in need of it. Why shouldn't we do it? And then we have this other picture, and this is a picture you may not, um, yeah, you, you you probably fail to, to to see what's about. Okay, this is in Tanzania. Every year there are, there is this uh, uh, circle-shaped like uh, migration of um, thousands and thousands of animals, right? So there will be wild beasts and, and zebras and others, and they have to cross the Mara River. And every year, uh, a whole bunch of them die, right? A whole bunch of them die because uh, they, they fail to reach the other, the other side of the, of the shore. Sometimes, the reason is simply that the, the, um, the shore, you know, in order to reach them, the gap is too steep. So they fail to reach it. So, um, as I say, every year we have a picture such as this one. And you may not notice what this is, but all this is a bunch of dead animals, Right? And uh, this is a case that is much celebrated by environmentalists, and every year they are going, lots of tourists there to take pictures of it as a, as an environmentalist attraction, right? And this could be quite easy to 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 avoid, right? Uh, of course, I mean they, we have to monitor how to do it. Uh, we have then to. Looky that, uh, you know, uh, these animals don't reproduce too much, so maybe some other system could be, systems could be implemented. But uh, whatever we do would be absolutely much better for them that being dead in, in their thousands, right? And as I said, this could be very, very easy to avoid. I mean, you just have to do some work there and, and that's it. And this is a picture that, again, you don't feel, you don't see. It's a, it's a picture of a deer that is dead. And this is a recent picture. Uh, this is a picture which was took like a month ago or two months ago, something like that. Uh, it was in the, in the, um, in the, in Spain. And uh, well, this animal died as many other dies for lack of food, right? Because of the, of the snow, it was very difficult for them to, to, to be fed. And unlike this, uh, in other, in other parts of the world, there are people <laughs> helping those animals so they don't die. right? Again, something that we can do, and this has nothing to do with veganism, by the way. Because this is not about not harming animals. But this is certainly what we would do if we were anti-speciesists. Right? That's why I say that veganism uh, is great, but we have to move further. And, uh, and then there is this picture. This is um, taken from a, um, a scientific paper published in a scientific journal. And you can see the you can see clearly there the the title: Vaccinating wild animals against rabies. And I want you to see the date. The date is 1988. So this is not a recent paper. So this has been done for decades now. Uh, so in the U.S., for instance, and in other countries, vast areas uh, have been uh, covered with vaccination uh, against rabies to animals. And and the way they do it, I mean, this is amazing. I mean. But it, it, it's actually the way it, it, it is done, and 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 uh, uh, it works. So uh, I know it sounds unbelievable, but it works. They go with helicopters and they throw these biscuits with the vaccine, <laughs> which are very attractive to animals such as raccoons or wolves and other to eat. So they eat it and they get vaccinated, right? And thousands of these animals have been vaccinated, right? And why, why, is, why are these programs uh, 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 carried out? Well, so that uh, these animals don't pass rabies onto uh, domesticated animals or to humans. But the fact that this is carried out shows clearly that this is something perfectly feasible that we could do for the sake of animals themselves. So when we talk about intervening in nature to help animals, we are not talking about science fiction at all. We are talking about something that we have been doing for decades already and that is actually successful, right? And this is not only done in the case of rabies, this is done in the case of many other uh, uh, diseases. Uh, like for instance, and it is done for instance in national parks, some national parks which ha- which want to have uh, their flag species animals, so they are taking care of them. They are feeding them so they don't starve. They are providing them with water so they don't uh, uh, suffer from thirst. They are vaccinating them. Uh, So, of course, intervention to help these animals is feasible. And, of course, it's something that we should do. And then, um, finally, um, to get an an idea of the importance that this last point is, I want uh, to mention just a, a brief note that shows how relevant it is that we take this into account, which is that many people have what I call an idyllic view of nature. They think nature is like a paradise or something like that. But it's not. I mean, animals are suffering. And the, um, the, um, the idea that can help us m- m- to see more clearly this is uh, our selection. Many of you, I guess, uh, does someone know what our selection is? Okay, well, uh, some people do. Well, our selection is this. Um, different animals in nature follow different reproductive strategies, right? So there are some that have uh, one child. I know they don't use the, the word child to name the, the sons and daughters of animals, but uh, we saw before that animals are more important than language. So, um, too late. <laughs> So I can explain you what this is about. So the thing is that they just have one child and they take much care of this, of this child, right? So this is what happens, for instance, in the case of humans, in the case of great apes, in the case of, for instance, elephants, and in the case of many other animals. But then, uh, most animals don't follow this uh, reproductive strategy. Rather, what they do is the other way around. They have a bunch of, 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 of uh, children Usually what they do is they lay lots of eggs and they take absolutely no care of for, for them or little care for them. So uh, this is the strategy that the overwhelming majority of animals follow, right? So uh, invertebrates, uh, um, fishes, uh, reptiles, uh, and then even birds and mammals uh, often use a combination of both strategies, like dogs, for instance, follow a combination of them. So um, well, dogs are more k-selected. K-selection is the one that is uh, you have a small amount of children that but take care of of, of of them. But still, they don't have just one children, right? Anyway, so what happens is this: that most animals have huge clutches. Like for instance, frogs may lay like ten thousand eggs. Uh, some fishes can lay a million eggs. So on average, only one of them survives, one per parent. The, old, the, the rest of them, they die. And most of them die when they have just come into existence. So they just are born, hey, here I am. Is there food around? No food? Oh, I'm hungry. I'm dying. <laughs> or others die for other reasons, for whatever. They are eaten by others, whatever. So their lives contain very, very little enjoyment, if anything. But they contain stay, uh, a significant amount of suffering because they die in pain, right? So, um, and then adult animals often suffer greatly for a bunch of, of, of reasons, such as disease, as we saw, injuries, uh, harsh weather conditions. Like, for instance, uh, we are now here, and, uh, well, I, I won't say that this is like being in, I don't know, uh, the Caribbean or something like that, but we are covered. It is more or less okay. But, uh, some meters from here or some hundred meters from here, there are animals who are getting wet and they don't like it. But they suffer it because that's the way they are, right? So the thing is that um, um, there is uh, much more suffering than we think it is, and we may not be able to solve it all. We definitely can't solve it all. But we can uh, solve some of it. So why not doing it? Uh, And again, even if this at least at first may seem implausible, which is not, because we have seen that there are some programs that have been put into practice. Even if it were implausible now, well, who knows about the future? I mean, remember the light cone. We should go in that direction. So, uh, again, you don't see the picture. Is a panda bear. For some reason, she wants to get up there and there's the other one helping. I don't know if you see that. And uh, I just, I'm just putting this picture. You're going to see it in this side. You don't see it, sorry about that, but, but you do. So now you are being discriminated against. I'm doing this so you can get a picture of what being discriminated against is when you are a non-human animal. Okay, so, um, so that's it. So uh, to conclude, uh, what the hell is this? Yeah, the concluding remarks are basically, as I said before, we need to reject our biases we need to reject the speciesism. We need to reject suboptimal causes of action. Even if they are effective, we should be more effective. We should be uh, efficient. And we need to be bold enough to rethink everything, right? To accept new evidences and um, to not just, as I said, adopt those, those strategies that help animals, that which work. We don't want to do that that works. We want to do that that works best that they help animals most. Uh, So that's it. Uh, Thank you. And uh, if you have any remarks...